Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau prepares to meet with Doug Ford. We'll sit down and we're going to focus on a a few items. We're going to focus on the infrastructure. We're going to focus on health, uh, job creation, and uh, make sure he fulfills his commitments that he made in in Ontario. Andrew Scheer makes his way to Atlantic Canada. Scheer does not have a big following in this part of the country. And Nancy Pelosi casts doubt on the possibility of the U.S. passing the updated North American free trade deal by the end of the year. I'm not even sure if we came to an agreement today that it would be enough time to finish, but it just depends on how much agreement we come to. It's Friday, November 22nd. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. Wouldn't you like to be there when Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford sit down? The Ontario Premier is visiting the Prime Minister on Parliament Hill today, and this comes after an election campaign during which uh, Justin Trudeau invoked Doug Ford's name quite often. Yeah. Well, you know, um, from my distance, I'm I'm no Doug Ford fan. I I find mostly his politics to be appalling and and, uh, simplistic, but... Uh, I have to say that he seems determined to rise above the fray, shall we say, because I I got a charge out of his comments uh, about Trudeau having used him as sort of a piñata during the uh, election campaign. And Ford, who, let's face it, would do exactly the same thing given the circumstances, uh, you know, more or less said, look, i got a thick skin, I can take it. Uh, He said what he had to say, that's politics, let's move on, we got work to do, and... uh, I thought it was um, a very um, gracious comment by Ford and and a good way to set up a productive meeting. Yeah, and he also took the high road uh, when the cabinet was announced. He uh, didn't attack it or criticize it. He said he was looking forward to working with everyone. So um, it seems as though that's the approach that he's going to take. It'll be interesting to see what they talk about today, though, given that they are at odds over things like carbon pricing. Yeah, but, you know, Ford didn't even seem to have that on his agenda. He's got other stuff he wants to talk about, you know, infrastructure, uh, uh, health care, red red tape and things like that, investment, infrastructure, whatnot. Um, And, you know, Mark, Ontario virtually since Confederation has played a leading role among the provinces. I mean, it's the biggest, it's the richest. Uh, you know, the more people, more seats, more of everything in Ontario. And uh, uh, Canadians, I think, without ever wanting to admit it, but have always looked to Ontario for a certain degree of leadership, shall we say. Sensible, pragmatic leadership. And that didn't seem to be in the offing uh, with the Ford government. And um, this could be really Ford becoming more in the role of an Ontario Premier, the traditional role that we've seen down through the generations. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, the federal government works better when Ontario is at least playing along. And um, and Trudeau would be wise to uh, hear out Ford's comments and his observations and to, uh, to look for a role for Ontario to take uh, in leadership in the country, right across the country. Yeah, and to that end, uh, it sounds like Doug Ford is uh, going to chair a, uh, a meeting of the premiers and and uh, see if they can all get on the same page about their objectives. Uh, so at a time when national unity uh, is being discussed as an aftermath of the election, uh, it sounds like there will be an effort to kind of pull everyone together. 
Yeah, and it sounds like Ontario itself uh, setting up its own council on federal and provincial matters. Ford himself is is reported to be uh, taking on the role as minister of that or as the supervisor of it. And um, and they and this is part of their uh, determination to work with Ottawa. I mean, there's there's billions of dollars out there on the table, you know, in infrastructure spending and. Uh, you know, the whole country has to adapt to the changing energy environment and to do it in a positive way. And so, you know, it's a new government, new page, new day. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are willing to put some of the battles behind them and, and to get on and, and start building something positive. Let's talk about Andrew Scheer. The conservative leader is on his way to your part of the country today. He's going to spend some time in Newfoundland and Labrador, and then he'll be in Nova Scotia at a major defense and security conference, an international event, in the next few days. Uh, the conservatives, of course, didn't win a lot of seats in Atlantic Canada, and uh, Andrew Scheer was noticeably absent the other day when the cabinet was unveiled. A couple of conservative MPs spoke on behalf of the party with their comments on the cabinet. Scheer wasn't there. Everybody's watching his every move very closely right now, given uh, the questions about the future of his leadership, aren't they? Yeah, well, you know, Sheer does not have a big following uh, in this part of the country. I mean, there's loads of conservatives out east. Uh, you know, they, they haven't done very well in the last few elections, but there are a lot of conservative-minded voters. Um, but Sheer himself just seems to be not getting over the election. I mean, he, he seems weirdly disengaged and sort of going through the motions. And I don't know if that suggests that things are way worse internally. Uh, in the party, or or if it's just, you know, it was a tough campaign, and he has to, you know, buck up and get at it again. But, I mean, this guy is fighting for his job now. Uh, I think the, there's a lot of conservatives who are open to the idea of, of leadership change, if, if that's what people decide. And um, I don't think people in the East here are any different from that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people want uh, an alternative to the Liberals, uh, and feel that Sheer didn't provide it for them in the last election. So, you know, he has a lot of bridges to uh, to repair and to build, and he has to reach out as well, because uh, I think a lot of people down east here just see him as a Western MP and, and not somebody with any feel for what's going on in this part of the country. And it was interesting yesterday to see Rana Ambrose, the former interim leader of the Conservatives, saying that the party needed to state clearly where it stood on LGBTQ rights if it was going to make any progress as a political movement. I think there are people who are asking the question now whether the leader of the party in the next federal election or the leader of the party whenever they're going to win an election needs to be more of a red Tory and less of a social conservative. Yeah, well, they have to build the tent. Uh, The tent is stuck at one size, and I think... uh, you know, there are all kinds of constituencies in the country. You know, finding favor with one often costs you something with another, and I think probably Sheer is concerned about that. But I think that most of the parties and most Canadians have kind of gone beyond this uptightness and um, and realized that there's been a, a lot of discrimination against the LGBTQ community and that... Uh, you know, people don't want that. That is not something they want embodied in their political leaders, certainly. So I don't know. Sheer really has to get over that, too. I mean, he looks like a guy who has to get over a few things and, and get on with his life. And, uh, you know, I don't think the, you 
know, there's no imminent election. There's probably no emergency or anything like that. But this is something that conservatives and Mr. Scheer have to really buckle down and think through and uh, and get moving on it. Because right now he's stuck in the middle. He doesn't have friends on either side of that particular debate. And, and I mean, Ronna Ambrose is universally respected across all the parties. And uh, I think her uh, her advice would carry a lot of weight or should carry a lot of weight within the conservatives. All right, let's turn to some comments made by Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker yesterday, saying that um, she's she's not sure that they'll be able to to bring the new free trade deal between Canada, the United States, and Mexico to a vote and to an outcome by the end of this year. I know this is something that has been preoccupying the government in Ottawa uh, for some time, is to get this across the finish line. Is is this? Uh, there, there were moments recently where it was looking more likely. Now, perhaps it looks a little bit less likely that this will get done by Christmas. You know, it's just another... Um issue that has been submerged by the the overarching political and uh, partisan battle that's going on in the United States. I mean, the impeachment hearings that are occupying the news uh, are, uh, are preoccupying uh, the political discourse across the United States. I can't see anything emerging from Congress, really. Uh, I'm not an expert on congressional politics, but I mean, just standing here, it doesn't seem like they're talking about it. Um, I know there are a lot of skeptics about the trade deal within the Democratic Party and even in the Republican Party that said if there was some will on the part of all the leaders, um, they could probably get it through. But it just looks less and less likely as the days go by that it'll get done by the end of the year. And this might be something that'll have to be put over to 2020. And uh, it could also be something that the sort of Team Canada whole of government approach is going to have to be restarted again um, in order to keep the pressure on because they have to keep it up with the you know different states, the governors, yeah. uh, the congressional district. I mean, it's a whole thing, industry and everything that has to be uh, uh, have to be part of this is going to get sorted out. Yeah, and let's not forget, twenty twenty is an election year in the United States, so that makes it even more complicated. So, uh, well, that's an you issue. know, Trump wants a trophy to hold up and say, "Look, I got something done." Um, very little positive has ever been accomplished by that administration. So this has to be something that looks like you can get along with others. Um, but for Canada, it's an existential economic issue that as long as it remains uncertain, it's going to hold back investment and confidence in the Canadian economy. And that's just going to carry on until it's done. All right, Dan, great to have your comments on all these topics today. Thank you for joining us. Okay, Mark. That's Dan Legere, author and op-ed columnist for the Chronicle Herald. I'm very much looking forward to having Christia Freeland as uh, my Deputy Prime Minister. She is someone with whom I work very, very closely and with great success. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Heather Schofield asks if Justin Trudeau has set up Christia Freeland to fail. Schofield writes, Freeland will lead the attempt to appease the Prairie Provinces. And there's no doubt she has the skills suited for the job. But she's also the Deputy Prime Minister and retains responsibility for the new NAFTA. Plus, she keeps an oversight role of the Foreign Affairs Department and is the chair of the Economy and Energy Cabinet Committee. With that split focus, has her boss given her the support she needs to succeed? In the Ottawa Citizen, Andrew McDougall argues, The sad truth is that Justin Trudeau's new cabinet doesn't matter. McDougall writes, 
These days, cabinets are an excuse to hire 30-some chauffeurs and offer a bump in pay to the gilded few, not a vehicle for collaborative government. As long as you're not stuck with intergovernmental affairs or natural resources, your main job will be to spend, spend, spend. And opening the floodgates requires far less skill than soaking up the aftermath from an orgy of spending. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach argues it should not be shocking that Alberta's United Conservative Party fired the election commissioner investigating them. Urbach writes, Jason Kenney represents a return to the days of provincial prosperity, where the leadership is unafraid to stand up for oil and gas and proudly lobby for Alberta's interests. Albertans aren't going to turn on him now, and he knows it. That's why his government can be so brazen as to axe the commissioner investigating the party. Albertans have their conservative dynasty back, and evidently Kenny believes they won't let it go. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister continues his meetings with the country's premiers. Today, it's Ontario Premier Doug Ford, who is in Ottawa, and CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Premier Doug Ford will meet with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the Prime Minister's office on the third floor of the West Block on Parliament Hill. Now, prior to his meeting yesterday in Toronto at the Ontario Legislature, Premier Ford announced the creation of a special federal-provincial relations council comprised of some of his key ministers in the provincial government. All of them are in charge of portfolios where federal-provincial cooperation is going to be crucial over the coming months. They include his finance minister, the health minister, who will have many discussions in coming months over the proposed federal pharmacare program, the infrastructure minister, who obviously will be dealing with federal provincial infrastructure programs, billions of dollars of which still have to flow from Ottawa, and even his minister of francophone affairs, which has been an irritant of late because of the federal government's irritation with the Ford government's decision concerning French services and a francophone university. So the big question going into this meeting, uh, when the Prime Minister and the Premier meet today, will be, will this be a meeting of cooperation and positiveness, as we saw last week with Conservative Premier Brian Pallister came to visit, or will it be more like the tone when Conservative Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe came to visit and came out of that meeting saying that he and Justin Trudeau had serious issues and weren't seeing eye to eye. After comments from Premier Ford on Thursday, many people feel that the meeting will probably be characterized by a positive approach. Premier Ford said he understood that many of the attacks on his government by Prime Minister Trudeau were the product of campaign rhetoric during the federal campaign. According to Doug Ford, the two leaders feel it's time to mend some bridges and get on with politics as usual. Thanks, Martin. Also today, Foreign Affairs Minister François-Philippe Champagne will attend the G20 Foreign Minister's meeting in Nagoya, Japan. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan will attend the 11th annual Halifax International Security Forum. And Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will be in Newfoundland and Labrador to meet with the Mayor of Gander. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, November 22nd. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.